Hey, that's nice. Yes! Hello! Welcome to another episode of the Music Guy Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Al Rowe. I'm a singer-songwriter, record producer, guitarist, music educator, guy who plays music from here in Toronto, Ontario, coming at you from uh, the Danforth area affectionately known as the Danny, which I actually detest, so I don't I don't call it that myself. Um, my friend, co-host, music educator, guitarist, backup vocalist, record producer, uh, all the above, great gentleman, Michael Hebs is in the house. How are you, my friend? Great gentleman. I like that. That's a I title. I don't know, yeah. Just, I am the great thanks. gentleman. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh not buying vintage gear that's that's for sure no god no Um, no at least in the traditional sense what about you you got any vintage gear um maybe yeah depends on what depends on how uh you define that i have some like i have some vintage reissues and i have some like some vintage um what would you call it like a like a uh, a piece of gear that was designed to to recreate a vintage gear, a piece of gear, but it's not itself vintage gear. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're talking about things all vintage gear today on the show. And uh, before we get to that, just want to thank everybody who listens and, and let you know that if you want to support what we're doing here, if you like what we got going on, this internet radio program, you can spread the word, word of mouth, tell your friends, let them know that uh, there's this cool podcast where we nerd out about all, all things music. And... Uh, you could do that, you know, by maybe like, you know, posting on your Facebook wall. Do people still do that? Oh, Or like yeah. uh, posting on your, your yeah. MySpace I always joke page? about, yeah, still, MySpace. Yeah. But it would be, it'd be great if MySpace just became a thing. It's not Facebook <laughs> anymore. It's Meta, man. Meta, right. Yeah. We're going to be living in right. a 3D world. Have that, you heard his thoughts on that yet? That um, makes oh. me feel more comfortable yeah. that they're stealing all my information and selling it to other people because... <sighs> It's not Facebook anymore, it's meta. The idea is you're going to be, uh, it's something like to do with 3D goggles and, you know, like experiencing the real world and 3D and I really don't know what I'm talking about, but I listened to Mm. some of it and I was like, this, this doesn't sound like we're there yet. You know? No. I've tried an Oculus Rift, which is like a 3D goggle thing. It's pretty cool, but I'm not going to be wearing that around. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's probably pretty sweet. I don't know. I'm torn, right? I feel like everything that uh, that company does is extremely predatory, but also if they're offering services that are like useful or cool enough, then I'm just going to be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I guess oh, I'll yeah, use yeah. it. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg has done some very, very questionable things. I mean, the Facebook papers, there's a great podcast called Behind the Bastards and they talk about the Facebook papers. So it's not great. It's not great. What their their deal mm. is? I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Love basically, it. anytime I, I I watch or listen to something that like or read something that pulls back the curtain on social media, you know, I I like want to throw my phone out the window. Yes, uh, immediately. Yes. You know, and then I just get sucked back into it and and uh, and become yeah. a become a sheep once again. Um, 
Anyways, so if you want to use any of those platforms to uh, shout us out, we would appreciate it. (laughs) uh, Or if you just want to, you know, tell your friends about the podcast, that's super helpful. And if you would like to help us keep the lights on here, support what we're doing, you can check out patreon.com slash musicguypodcast where you can find some rewards that might interest you uh, and you can, uh, you know, uh, throw us a couple dollary dues. Uh, We would appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cool. So we're talking vintage gear. Talk fancy so, shit. like, I don't really know what vintage gear is. I think I know what it is. Like, in my brain, I'm just thinking, like, old music equipment. Yes. But, like, is there, like, a, you know, if I, if I have, like, a 1960s, like, cassette walkman like is that vintage it's a great question i'm gonna pull the best man speech uh <clears throat> and i'm gonna look at the dictionary uh <laughs> the year or place in which wine especially wine of high quality was produced not right uh yeah. okay yeah so you know uh my understanding of vintage is that it's like old gear like i think vintage just means old gear um, mm. but I think it's more specific than that. Like in reality, like I think you could say, this is one of the things that you and I had talked about beforehand is like, you could say a Stratocaster from like 1985 is technically vintage, mm. but like, w- why would you buy that sort of thing? Like, um, for me, vintage gear is like, what are the good years of something? And that would be like vintage. Like if you buy a 60 Strat or God forbid, if you buy a 50 Strat. If you have that kind of money, mm. that to me is vintage. Uh, or That's a lot of bread for, right there. For instance, there was a particular year where, you know, after that, after like CBS came along. Was it CBS? I don't know. I, yeah, I think, I think it, was C- it was CBS, but yeah. I don't know like what, when that happened. It yeah. was like, I think mid 60s, I think it was 65, uh, Fender was sold to someone else and then they sort of cut corners on their strats you know so just to make them sort of more profitable um and so strats after that are allegedly less good um but i'm sure within those years say for instance oh 72 this model of strat maybe was really great but like there has to be for me like a justification for it you know like if you buy a 90 strat it's not going to sound better than you know a, a really good strat from this year unless there is you know, a justification for it. Like, oh, they really screwed up and they used a nitrocellulose lacquer and it, you know, and it, it they sold it for really cheap because nitrocellulose is like a good thing. Um, you know, there has to be some reason why it's good to me. Vintage just doesn't right. make it sound good. I don't know. So there are certain time periods for different categories of music equipment that make them more or less desirable. I guess. Can we sort of... Could we yeah. sort of throw a blanket statement like that? Yeah. Like obviously, yeah, like yeah. 50, 50s. So like fifty strats and fifties Les Pauls uh, are super desirable, right? Because that was sort of like they're they're maybe the most rare because they're kind of the oldest yeah. generation of those guitars, as far as I'm aware. And um, and yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of sort of um, hype, maybe you want to say, or like history there, or. Um, you know that that kind of thing, where they, they have just a lot of value because they're really cool, 
Um, not necessarily because they're like going to sound the best or I mean, what what have you. Um, but but you know that that makes them vintage. And then there's there's eras where the quality was just almost objectively higher. Like sure. I know there was a period of time where Gibson uh, went from being hand built to being factory built. Yeah, and I think there was like a lot of problems with that. And so people want to avoid certain years where they know, oh, this was made in this factory in, in – it was, it was made in Mexico and not North America or it was yeah. made in um, – it was made in Mexico and that's actually really good because they, they – that place was – you know that plant or that whatever was doing better yes. at that time. Like there's all sorts of information you can find if you um, – if you Google things that uh, will give you different information about the, the 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 quality of the gear based on like where and when it was made, so I think you're kind of looking at those two things. It's like either this is like really rare and cool and and exotic, and there's a lot of history there, or this is like of a of an era where the quality was really high, or of an era where the quality was um, really low, and therefore you probably don't want it, or maybe you can get a good deal on it because you found a good one. Yeah. Um, and so that's maybe a, a for a little bit later in the show but um yeah so that that's that makes sense to me i mean because that's the thing like so say for instance with those like 50s les pauls and 50 strats um there are also like materials that that like were cheaper than you know what i mean like wood was cheaper like real wood was mm. cheaper than obviously all like the electric guitars that i know of have mostly real wood now but like they weren't doing things back then like uh you know like laminates i don't know if they knew how to do that um so mm. like I feel like there is arguments for that. And then also to, you know, this record, this iconic guitar record has this amp on it. Therefore, everybody wants this amp, you know, like shit like that. I think that's part right. Of it. But for me, right. the big thing is like a lot of the times this gear seems like luxury items for like dentists and doctors and lawyers, you know, <laughs> um, and I have none of those things. And uh, I don't make that kind of money. Yeah, right. Like, how often do you have, like, a student who's like, yeah, I just picked up this, you know, $5,000 Les Paul Custom with all these, like, you know, all the bindings and all the, like, bells and whistles on it. And you're just like, yeah. man, that's cool. I would have used that money to buy, like, three guitars. That, and, that's uh, exactly Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I would be using them for different reasons. And, that, like, that, but it's a different, it's yeah. a different, um, you know, it's a different customer or it's, it's a different individual that's that wants a different thing, right? So it's all about what. Yes, um, and there's nothing wrong with and that, what you need, right? Like, no, absolutely, no. I'm not saying yeah. there is no at no, all. No, that's I what know, I'm saying. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like so. Say for instance, you know, uh, I I have to like do some mental gymnastics to not be a an elitist, but it's like yeah, if a lawyer wants to buy like a 1950 Strat that is maybe you know it's just you don't want to play that on a gig and you want to put it in a case, but really, you know, maintain it and like maybe let your buddy who's really good at guitar use it on sessions. That's cool with me. You know, like it's just a different thing Mm -hmm. that is not meant for broke ass musician, Michael Hepps. Um, right. But, uh, maybe someday, maybe someday. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, um, maybe we could talk just a touch more about like why, certain things get so expensive yeah um, sure. and i think there's been a, a movement as of late at least where um a lot of folks are switching to plugins instead of outboard gear you're talking about recording um, gear yeah uh recording gear you know yeah, yeah. and microphones that can model 
several different microphones rather than having an army of microphones of different vintages. You know, yeah, and so though you know those things are great because in the studio you can quickly swap things in and out. If it's a plug-in, you uh, ostensibly have infinite copies of it to put it on different channels and stuff. You don't have to run things back through it and print stuff, and you could just try different things. Um, And then in the the live world, a lot of guitarists, as we've talked about, are switching to Kempers and Helixes and different floorboards that just model thousands of amps and pedals. And again, it's super convenient. You could program your show. You're not worried about lugging a heavy piece of gear or you know several heavy amps around with you on tour and stuff like that so a lot of people are going that route which i totally agree with but what that you know kind of what that ends up happening is they're selling they sell their vintage gear um and you know people who are opportunists and are, are picking this stuff up uh are are now able to flip it for considerably you know more money because they were sort of zigging when the rest of us were zagging see, yeah. <laughs> towards yeah, yeah. the new you know the digital stuff and that's a really great way to sort of make uh money in a in an investment standpoint is if you if you notice that a lot of people are going one way and you feel like it might be profitable to go the other way uh you can kind of you can make that work for you and, and the other thing too is like there's there's tons of plugins. Plugins are not uh, scarce by any means. There's tons of plugins, and they're just digital um, assets essentially. So they they're you know you can just make as many of them as, as people will buy. Um, and um, and you know digital gear, lots of that stuff's being made. It comes out every year. There's new updates. There's new versions. There's new yeah. whatever else. Whereas the vintage stuff is not really being made anymore. Some, sometimes you can't get the parts. They're not even available. Uh, there's certain guitars that are made out of certain types of wood that you can't make guitars out of anymore, I'm pretty sure. Um, and like, Yeah, you can't do uh, Brazilian and, rosewood now. There you go. And it's not worth it for a company to build a Fairchild and produce it. Uh, that's like a very complex uh, compressor that's made of like, you know, miles and miles of, of wire and transistors and all this stuff. Like you, 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 you wouldn't make that on mass and, and sell it. Uh, it probably wouldn't be great for your profits because only like a handful of, of audio enthusiasts and uh, recording producers really care about that stuff. So, um, you know, people, uh, that, that type of gear is not being made. So it's only getting more and more scarce. Yeah. Uh, and of course that does drive up. I, the one price. thing that I was just typing in as you were talking about your stuff, I wasn't listening to you at all. And it probably was really yeah. dumb. Um, not, neither were our listeners. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. What listeners? Um, <laughs> I was looking at what, uh, what a 1965 Stratocaster cost in that yeah. year. And like, I just quickly looked it up, but they said it was $295. Uh, Back then, right? Which okay. is like, oh man, that's so cheap. But obviously, I was looking at what is two hundred ninety-five dollars in nineteen sixty-five compared to today in terms of inflation. Uh, so yes. apparently, two hundred ninety-five dollars back then is actually two thousand six hundred dollars nowadays. So, putting in two thousand six hundred dollars, I think a nineteen sixty-five Strat is something like thirty grand now. So, mm-hmm. I wonder what that investment would look like. You know, for an investor, you know, you put in right. like uh, $2,500 or $2,600 and then in 50 years, this is going to be $30,000. I don't know if that's a great investment. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can't do that math off the Me top neither. of my head um, because I'm not that smart. But I mean, that seems pretty good. You it know, seems you've, good, but you know, 
what is that like 10 times as as valuable uh yes 10 times as roughly valuable. so it's like a thousand is that years? a thousand percent uh is that a thousand percent increase i don't know see i'm already i'm already lost yeah but uh, yeah i mean over 50 years maybe that's actually not that great the other yeah. thing too is like people don't think about this stuff um like how much money does it cost to keep that guitar in condition where yes. it's like, you know, you're not just like putting it in a glass case and never touching it uh, and it just suddenly becomes worth 30 grand. Like you need to keep it properly humidified. 100%. You, you know, um, and if it got played at any point, then it needs to get uh maybe some repairs done um, and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and if you're talking about restoration where like, you, you've you've acquired this guitar and and it's it's in in pretty bad shape. Then you're then you're talking a ton of money. So I, I yeah I don't know I, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I would look at that as like a sound financial investment. Yeah, I think you would think want to cool. own something like that for you know, yeah for the cool factor for the yeah. enjoyment of having it. Um, yeah, totally. So one right? of the but, things yeah. um, I have uh, technically I have a piece of vintage gear, but I mean I don't know enough about this year. Um, the 1967 Telecaster, which oh, yeah. me and my brother own, and it's like, oh, cool. You know, it's a 1967 Telecaster. It should sound like the best Telecaster ever. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, like I've heard, <laughs> I've heard a buddy who has a Warmoth Telecaster, and it, it makes it sound better than I make mine sound. Now, the big thing, the nice thing about this was it really wasn't a collector's item. It was my uncle's Telecaster, and he had done tons of stuff to it, modified a bunch of stuff to it, which makes it less valuable. Because if it was valuable, I wouldn't be able to use it. You know? Right. Like, we bring it out to gigs all the time. You know, like, it's, <clears throat> it's, it, it was kind of a mess. He stripped off all the finish uh, because mm-hmm. of the Born to Run record. Um, Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was like really inspired by that. So, like, that devalues it a bunch. It's a different pickup. I think he changed the bridge, you know, so it's it's good in that sense. But yeah, I, I 1967 is not particularly, it's not a, like, it's past that CBS point. So, like, it's not a fabled, you know, year. But I mean, it doesn't sound bad, mm. you know? Yeah, um, and you you bring up a really good point there that as soon as you change like a volume knob yes. on the thing, it's all of a sudden it's not worth anything anymore because people want it to be um the collectors want it to be exactly as it was when it was, you know, first issued. So yeah. um yeah, you can get yourself into into some 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 trouble there if you're looking to maximize the actual monetary value of something like that. Yeah. Um and so yeah, great great point there. But um so one of the things that would be interesting to talk about is just like because there are different items that are vintage and i i would imagine that vintage matters for certain things more than others like i have heard the argument that the wood opens up in like an acoustic over the years which hey you know i i I don't know enough to not like agree with that but like uh for something like a vintage solid state amp solid state is like not tube amp Mm mm-hmm I don't know, you know, like I, I, I couldn't see it unless it was on a particular record and it had a sound that no other amp has, you know, like I would not be paying money for that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably just a lot closer to needing like new speaker cones or whatever than <laughs> the yeah. newer amp that you might yeah. purchase. Um, yeah, I mean, with guitars, I think you're 
totally right. At least that's that 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 is out there. That like the longer a guitar has been vibrating for, uh, the better and warmer it sounds because the wood has been, like you said, it's been opened up. And and if you have those little sort of microscopic cracks in your finish on your guitar, that can be an indication that it's really um, the wood is really in a good place in terms of like sure. how much. Um, uh, Which once again vibrating could just be hype. It's, could be, right? Like yeah, so much yeah. of this stuff is just like, is this really true or is this just like what people say to <laughs> sell some, to tell a good story? Shit. Yeah. Um, um, what are some di- different items though that like you're thinking? Like obviously there's like vintage compressors and vintage preamps and vintage microphones. Like what else? What else do we got out there? Uh, vintage, well, I mean, you know, vintage guitars, uh, there's a big market for, uh, old synths as oh, well. Yeah. Um, and some of those early, um, yeah, synth keyboards that I know literally nothing about, but, uh, I know there's, there's, there's a lot of people that are super into that. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's just something to having the real, the real thing in front of you that I think, um, is maybe a bit more inspiring than looking at like a menu of two thousand different synth presets in your yeah. plugin, and you're it's just limiting like, in a way too, in a good way. Yeah, you get a little decision paralysis. Whereas, like, if you have like six or seven keyboards that you know really well, um, and they can sort of cover a lot of ground, then then you you sort of know where you want to go, and 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 your sound will be a little bit different every time, right? Because you're just you're dialing things in. You're not like yeah. you, you can't click save. So there's a certain magic to that, I think, and and there's definitely a big market for for those types of uh, but pieces of gear as well. Yeah, I would imagine that like like it's hard to say uh, what would be better to get vintage. Like I could see the value in having something like. Uh, an 1176 which is a compressor like a vintage 1176 and like a vintage really famous you know preamp um because like that is the sound on like this record or that record you know what i mean like and like somebody can make a copy of that 1176 but it's still not going to be the same you know like i could see the value of that like within reason like you have to have the the money to justify it you know like i'm not gonna buy an 1176 because that wouldn't fucking bankrupt me um yeah well okay so so we're kind of dancing around it but maybe we can get into like why why and when do you want to buy this stuff yeah you know yeah um and i think the number one reason if we're calling a spade a spade is as a collector's item right as a luxury item as a like this is cool i want to own this thing i can afford it um and it's cool and i want to have it you know yeah and I just like that, that giving that's a guy really reason a mouthful of crowns and uh you know <laughs> i got a lot of money <laughs> yeah yeah like that's the you know that's the real i think most popular yeah. most realistic reason for like for wanting any of this stuff like are we ta- you know if we're talking about like um me personally or you or like you know random person that's that's in the industry and working 
Like I, I don't want to own an 1176. Like I don't know how to repair sure. it. Sure, uh, sure. I could buy like the entire library of plugins for that cost and get way more stuff Just done. Just buy all the plugins. I don't, yeah. I, I don't have time to sit here and run every single track in a. Have you seen a Pro Tools session lately? There's like yeah. minimum. 50 tracks in a Pro we'll Tools session. Am I going to... 76 is now. Yeah. Am I going to sit here and run every track through my vintage 11? No, like, of course not. You know? Um, it, it, so I think for, like, for... And I, obviously I can only speak for myself, but, like, I, I'm, I'm valuing things based on how well they work and how, like, how well they fit my workflow. Yeah. So if that's recording stuff or if that's live stuff, you know? Like, I, I don't want to be bringing a $5,000 vintage acoustic to Boots and Hearts and having it get rained on, you know? Like, I I, I need to, if I'm taking a guitar to a gig, some part of me needs to be okay with that, with it getting stolen, with it getting broken, with it getting damaged in some way. Somebody pours beer on it. As much, yeah, like as as heartbroken as I would be if that happened to any of my guitars, because I've got some, some nice guitars that I really love. Um, none of them are worth that much money, but like, you know, what about your uh, Yamaha, Al? What about, what I know, to your th- and Yamaha? that's, th- yeah, my Yamaha that got do? smashed. Yeah, it got smashed on an Air Canada flight. I mean, that was like a, and this is maybe a, a cooler subject we can even get into. It's like, that was like a guitar that I would consider a vintage because it was from like a certain period in the, I think in the late, I think in the 80s. And now I'm going to get all this the stats wrong but yeah, yeah. where they were um they were basically trying to recreate a martin guitar but for like the common <laughs> the common person to be able to yes. afford so it really wasn't worth all that much money at the, you know probably sold for like four or five hundred dollars at the time um but it sounded great to me like and i yeah. and i loved playing it and it felt good and it was dependable it stayed in tune and yeah, you know, to have an instrument just get destroyed because of negligence of, of, of you know an airline or whatever, it sucks. Yeah. And um, and that's always going to happen. But like, you know, if that was like a if that was ten thousand uh, dollar, you know, Gibson from the the '30s or something, or like I don't know how much those go for, but you know what I mean. It's like then yeah. uh, um, uh, you're you know you're really you're, you're in real trouble there. So you you don't want to be. Um, taking instruments like that out of your home. So I, uh, <laughs> one, yeah. I can think of a few reasons maybe why you could justify it though too. Like obviously like you and me are similar like mindsets with like gear. It's like a functional thing. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's a tool. It's, you know, and like also too, like, so for me, number one would be um, for like the hype factor. Like it, so say for instance, if I'm a super famous guitarist or like i'm a like a guitarist that's doing quite well and you know i i want to have something to put on my website or have something to put uh to tell people why they should hire me you know what i mean that does help if i have the money if i'm really crushing it money wise um Mm. uh you know if i say yeah i have a 60 strat and that could be on your track you know like that does fuck as a record as a recording yes uh guitarist okay yeah totally Um, well like say for instance you know, you have your studio and you want people to come to your studio and produce with those people. Um, you could be like, yeah, I've, you know, I've got a bunch of all, all this analog gear. I use like this tape machine. I have the console from Abbey Road. One of the studios, I, I believe, around here has one of them, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, and like that kind of shit, like that's hype factor. And that's like almost like a sales pitch. Um, another reason. I, no, no, yeah. but I, I fully agree with you. Yeah, if you're a studio, if you're a recording studio, that's you know 
on the big on the bigger end and you're charging people you know and you want to get clients in and and whatever like yeah if you have if you have all the hitters uh you know a stereo pair of each of the 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 most popular sort of pieces of, of gear you've got you know the the 1176s you got the the la2as the api 2500s the poltex the um you know you name it uh, just distressors which actually isn't that vintage but still dope it costs money. um and yeah and you've got a real if you've got a console with a real good story behind it of course like that stuff is all um a great sales uh tool and also of course the gear is you know if you're keeping it in good shape um the gear sounds great and when yes. you have all of it you can really make that work because if you're doing a 16 track session you can actually you know route things <laughs> through different pieces of gear because you have it all do i want that as independent recorder guy here at, at my place like no no yeah. uh but the other thing too man like uh, i won't call it any studios but like there's a neve console that in town and people know what i'm talking about if they know this one and uh and there there are channels that just don't work and sure. we're in the middle of a session and it's like oh nothing's coming in on four can't get can't get the hi hat coming through on on channel four. What the hell's going on? And like, there's crosstalk and there's all this phenomena with this vintage stuff. And we end up spending like we I've sat there for you know hours to no fault of the engineer. Like we're troubleshooting it's this console. Fault. And it's like How no, well, it's it, it, it's like whoever owns this studio needs to keep their their gear working right. So it's like yeah. you can run into those problems. Uh, two, which you know, you're you're not going to run into those types of problems uh, yeah. on a digital rig. You'll just run into a whole other types of problems that <laughs> yeah. that those cost I you. Mean, uh, but yeah. So another thing as well too that um, I was thinking is like uh, one second. Uh, another thing that I was thinking could be like, say for instance, vintage gear. You could be buying it to capture like like a picture perfect version of something so say for instance if you're an artist you know and you want to do a record and like say for instance you really know your synths you could buy a synth you know like this is an iconic synth from this record and i loved this kind of sound and they used it all over this record i'm going to use this synth for this record to capture that sound you know perfectly I mean, if you have the money, though, because there are ways to cheat mm-hmm. that, you know? It's like, oh, somebody's probably released a plug-in, and it's probably going to get you 95% of the way there. And 95% of the way there in terms of sounding like the unit, not 95% of the way there in terms of sounding good. Like, good is relative. Yeah. It could sound better than the synth. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, good is – well, good is subjective. Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, are you using the same cables? Are you using the same – Preamps. D to A converters? Yeah, yeah, are yeah. you using – I mean, with the record, would it have even recorded a digital? Maybe not. Are you going through tape? Yep. Are you hitting the keys in the same way that – you know what I mean? Like, it's it's all just boot, in in my yeah. opinion. Like, it's, it's just too many variables. Like, the gear is 30 years older now than it was when it was used yep. for that record. So it's going to sound different just based yep. on the fact that it's aged, right? And the component – like, you know – there's just so many different variables that, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, the I argument I, there, you know, like, yeah, like, I I'm mean, gonna get I, this, I get you. this amp and this guitar, like say for instance, John Mayer's like, you know what, I'm going to copy, you know, uh, Eric Clapton's tone from this song. I'm going to go out and buy yeah. that amp and that guitar. 
He's John Mayer. He's got the money. Sure. I mean, he's got the money. I just feel like you can get there without having to own the exact same piece yes, of gear. You'd be like, I'm me going too. for this sound or this vibe. It's like, cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of ways to get there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I, I, yeah, I don't necessarily buy that as a reason to get vintage gear. But if you can afford it, so, but then it just comes back to like I, I, I still feel it's a collector's item at that point. Yeah. You know, I, for me, um, it, it's, it's definitely <clears throat> still like it. It always goes back to that. Like. I just I, I can't see myself ever spending the money because like even if I was John Mayer level rich, like I could buy a few guitars for that money and like maybe like say for instance I'm trying to get like you know uh, uh, an iconic sound like there's a Linda Ronstadt record where I, I can't even pronounce the guy's name. Um, he plays this one Stratocaster. He sorry he plays this one Les Paul. Um, and it's, it sounds so awesome. Like if I was John Mayer, I could buy, you know, five or six Les Pauls copying that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I still probably wouldn't even be close to the cost of his like vintage Les Paul. And I could buy five or six amps copying that thing. And then I could be like, Ooh, I like this one the best. You know what I mean? I like, and then I could get rid of the other ones, you know? Uh, and then I didn't drop sure, like yeah. 30 grand on a fucking Les Paul. Yeah, or you could you know buy any number of things to do lots of different things rather yeah. than just try to nail like one tone. Yes, <laughs> right? yes, yeah. Um, so, um, and I think maybe like one other thing we didn't haven't fully touched on, but like is just that that you know the vintage gear thing. It, it's not intrinsically better because it's from whatever year, right? No. Like there were still lemons made at that time, and as we've said, if it's aged. If it's, um, you know, if it hasn't, yeah, if there hasn't been good upkeep, whatever like that, you know, Les Pauls never stay in tune. Like we always say that it's like, do I want to, do I want to play this vintage Les Paul on this, this gig? If it's not going to stay in tune, like, no, you know, yeah. um, yeah. is it, is it easy to carry around? Am I going to buy a Fender super reverb four twelve combo amp? Cause it's like my favorite record had that on it. I'm going to use that yeah. on gigs. Like hell no. I, I mean, if they don't thing. make it, um, <laughs> If they don't make it anymore, uh, I wouldn't – for gigs, fuck that. Gig is just yeah. such a different environment. Like like for recording, well, yeah. Yeah. I could see like – I don't think they make like a, even like a reissue of a Super Reverb now. And it's like, yeah, if, if you want to get a Super Reverb and like you have a ton of money, sure. Yeah. You know? Like Super Reverbs yeah. aren't that expensive. But I think, I mean I think we're kind of – Getting yeah, into the weeds. It's, it's a hard well, thing it's, to it's, say it's, – we're yeah. kind of. I think what we're kind of saying is like, if you have the money, go ahead. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't. I, I don't think there's any compelling reason where it's like, oh, I have to have this, or else I can't make the music I want to make. You yeah. know. Yeah. Or I'm not as good as player X, Y, or Z if I don't have this. Uh, if I don't have a vintage, you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Like if you're a mixer and you're like, oh man, if only I had. A stereo pair of 1176s, that, then my mixes will sound good. It's like, and people think that way. It's like, for sure. It's like, no, that, that's that's yeah. not at all how it works. Actually, yeah, people uh, think that so, way for sure. Yeah. I hear people all yeah. the time, like, like just like, oh, if I had this, then it would be like this. And it's like, people have made records on so much less that are so much better. You know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. How good are your songs? How good are your ears? How good uh, is you, your playing technique? Yeah, like those are the things. Those don't cost any money to get better at. Unless, well, maybe if you're taking lessons or whatever. But, like, my teacher plays on like a Takamine all the time. And it was not an expensive guitar when he bought it. And he's like, Yeah, I have like, you know, $5,000 Martins. And, and like, 
he's like, yeah, sometimes they're the right thing. And I have this like, you know, I think I could buy that guitar now for like seven or eight hundred dollars. And he's like, mm-hmm. I played this most of the time because I know it really well. I know how to get the sounds I want out of it. And I like I like the thing about it. You know, like I've spent years looking through all these guitars. Um, and, uh, you know, this is this is the one for me. And he plays it on a ton of records and it sounds amazing. A, because he's an amazing player, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but B, because, uh, you know, he's he he knows what to look for. And, you know, he has those other options, though. Um, one of the things well, that so- I want to talk about is something that you actually um, had mentioned, which is kind of neat. You were saying Yamaha had, was building these, like, Martin copies. Um, and this is one of the things that I think is cool. If I were going to buy a vintage thing, is more so looking for, like, the the lesser known stuff that isn't that valuable. So Takamine did the same thing. Um, Takamine, the the reason that company started um, is actually it's the same you know company that my teacher plays. Uh, when they first started, to my understanding, they were supposed to be a factory that was going to build Martin guitars, and they got the blueprints mm. for Martin guitars. Um, and then they something like they went under so the owner of of Takamine or Takamini or however you say it bought the factory and used those blueprints to make like exact Martin copies um now the problem is I don't know I'm there may be certain things that they cut some corners on um I I know of a, a few things like but I think Martin might have been doing those things as well. And so I'm looking to buy a Takamine Martin copy, but this is like a $500 guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. It's a $500 right. guitar. And if I were to buy a, a Martin from the 60s, you know, or 70s, that's like a fucking $10,000 guitar. You know what I mean? Like, totally. And like yep. also, too, I can buy this, play it. If I don't like it, flip it for the exact same price that I bought it for. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a company called Heritage Guitars. Oh out yeah, of Kalamazoo, Michigan. I used to have a I used to have a Les Paul from them. What happened? And the to that story uh, uh, that got stolen. Your pain. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've had good guitar luck overall in my life, but uh, have have had a couple of rough ones. Um, but yeah, so like the story there, as far as I I've remember it is is that was like one of the OG uh, Gibson factories. Um, where they were making guitars by hand, uh, so I shouldn't use the word factory, I guess, um, the Gibson uh, shop or whatever, where they were making guitars by hand, and then Gibson decided to switch to, uh, yeah, factory, you know, built, uh, factory assembled or whatever, however the process is. They were going to use machines to build their guitars, right? And um, and the people who worked at this particular place were like, well, screw that, we don't want to do that. And uh, because they, I guess, had claim to this, this factory or whatever, they were allowed to stay there and start their own brand. So they're, they're, they've been making Gibson copies, quote unquote, ever since, except they were like making real Gibsons before yeah. that. Uh, yeah. And they still do it by hand, and that's their whole deal. And like, so Gibson's going and, and charging, you know, $1,500 for a Les Paul made in a, a factory. You can spend about, you know, the same amount of money and, and get one that was made by hand if you want to go to this company, Heritage. And, you know, if you find some old ones and maybe, uh, people don't know what they have. You can maybe get a bit 100%. of a deal, although that's fa- fairly unlikely because guitar shops are pretty, 
you know they're they're pretty into guitars so they usually yeah. know what they have but still you know the value of that 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 name the value of that name gibson still does carry so much weight that you'll That's be able to saying. you'll be able to go to a shop and find a heritage and and probably get like a reasonable deal com- comparatively to like uh um you know it's yeah like, what are you're, people you're willing gibson. to pay for it you know, and like, it's just, yeah, exactly, right, and, and it's just a headstock at, at the end of the day. Heritage, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. So, um, yeah, I loved my heritage when I had it. I thought it sounded great. It stayed in tune really well. It, it played, felt great, sounded great. So, um, yeah, and I think the cool thing, like you're saying, with um, with finding these like cool little uh, periods of time and, and brands that were doing like a cool thing at a cool time and, and high quality and all the rest of it. It's like, you have a unique instrument that not everybody else has, you know, yes. if everybody's going for the sixties, Les Paul sound and everybody's got either a sixties, Les Paul or a guitar that's trying to sound like a sixties, Les Paul. And you've got something that looks different and maybe sounds a little bit different and is really, has a really cool story behind it. It's like, then you've got your own sort of thing going on and you can, you know if you're trying to sell yourself i guess you could sell it that way but i don't even think about it that way i'm just like do i like this instrument and do i make like cool music with it then um then hell yeah right so i think you know the uniqueness factor is is pretty nice there as well and you could spend a heck of a lot less money yeah and also too like so one of the things that dave pensato said dave pensato is like a really popular mixer um shout out to dave pensato i'm sure he you know really appreciates it uh, getting yeah. you know big ups getting from, that exposure yeah, yeah you know it's huge but uh, we don't a, give that away for free man this is true um yeah. sponsored by Pensado's place but yeah he's a massive mixer <laughs> you know has a huge youtube channel yada 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 he was saying that he bought all of that analog gear when he was using analog gear when it was cheap and nobody you know this is way back in the day when he's like yeah this thing just sounds good to me i'm gonna buy it and then it got expensive afterwards because everybody was using it you know what I mean? So it's like it's it's only expensive because everybody was using it. And it's like it's easy for me to go to a studio and be like, what does this guy use? Oh, I'm just going to copy that. And that's fine. But if you find something that you like, play that. Or, or say, for instance, yeah. if you do your research and find something that's unique, like say, for instance, this Takamine Martin copy might be my ticket to having great acoustic guitar tone. Or maybe it's it's a bust and it was fun and I can, you know, flip it on reverb, you know? That sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, guitars are like, and gear, it's like a little bit like a pair of shoes, you know? Yeah. It's just like, if you're looking for what, you know, if you're looking for sneakers that are vintage and cool and you want to have a collection, then you just buy the ones that you want. But like, if you're if you're looking for something that's going to fit you and make you comfortable and, and not like hurt your back and stuff, you got to try some stuff on, see what feels good, right? Yeah. With guitars, yeah. I've, it's the same way. Like, I'm not going to buy a guitar until I've played it and decided if I think it feels and sounds good to me. Like some yep. of those old uh, Gibsons have these like giant necks that like yes. I could never, I would never be comfortable playing this this thing. I don't care what year it is. Like I want, I want a slim neck, you know, I'm a, I'm a delicate flower. You're a slender man. can't be man. playing these friggin' baseball uh, You actually guitars. might be the slender man. Um, <laughs> are you so, aware of him? Uh, no. Slender man is like so. some sort of myth. Oh, okay, uh, maybe I have heard of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this sounds creepy as hell. Um, yeah, that sounds like me. So um, what you're cre- saying is I should hell. take out yeah. a line of credit and buy some 1176s so I can start to make a living. That's certainly what I would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I wonder what um, I should call RBC right now on the podcast. <laughs> just see, see how much you, you can afford. Yeah. Um, so I think like, yeah, if we want to get into actually some, some loose sort of financial advice on how to, how to go about buying gear. I know, I know we've talked about this in the, in the past, but maybe folks are listening for the, for the first time or whatever. I have a couple of rules for myself that I really try to follow as strictly as I possibly can. Yeah. And those are never finance anything and don't buy new. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's and great. maybe the re- the reasons are like maybe they're fairly obvious, but like um, it, it, it would be a rare case where I would want to to finance something because it, it's my personal sort of belief or whatever that like if I don't have the money now, I can't afford the thing. Sure. So if I you know if I'm going to finance it, why don't I just save up for six months instead and then just buy the thing then? You know, how yeah. badly do I need it right now? Did all my gear just burn in a fire and I have a gig tomorrow? Sure, I'll finance yep. a, a guitar. Like, yep. that's a pretty extreme, you know, circumstance. But, like, do, you know, do I need to, do I need to finance uh, a guitar for a gig tomorrow? Like, no, I have three guitars that I can use. Like, I it, know it's, it's of not going to make a difference, right? Guy so, who got a massive gig uh, playing, uh, you know, an instrument. I, I'm not going to name it just because I don't want to out them. Like literally, mm. probably one of the bigger gigs you could get in the world, and uh, they said you need this and this to play our gig, and it's like, well, I don't have that. I don't I haven't made any money from this um, yeah. gig yet, and I want the gig. So yeah, he like financed yeah. the two things, and it's like, yeah, obviously perfect. That that makes sure. perfect sense. Do do that, you know. Obviously, if it's a big enough gig, and you you know, the, the, of course, there's reasons why you're going to do it. But I, yeah. I I feel like a lot of folks just finance things because they just kind of. They want it sooner, and it's always zero yeah. percent. It's like, yeah, but then there's fine print, and then you forget that you're still paying for this thing. And, and yep. it, I just find, I, I even if it was truly zero percent, the fact that I owe somebody money every month bothers me. I hate that feeling. So yeah. like, I, I I will not finance things. I like to give, uh, a, give give cash, get thing. Never talk to me again. That's such you an know, old guy is my um, love it. It is, but like, man, it just I, like. You, you're either I, I, you're either ahead of of you know whatever financial situation you, you find yourself in. I, I feel you're either ahead of things or you're behind on things. Sure. And if you're financing, I think you're behind uh, yeah. on on stuff because that's money that you you know you you owe to somebody, and so you got to make sure that you have it on time. And that sort of starts a cyclical cyclical sort of pattern of of sort of being under pressure all the time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the extent that I can avoid owing things monthly, um, obviously like rent and, and things like that, there's not a whole lot you can do you're there. You're just going to drop like a, a mill on a house? I wish I could. Uh, um, yeah. But I mean, you know, but I feel you'll be a lot closer to being able to do that if you don't, if your bank account isn't being bled every month for like oh, random stuff that you, dude, you know. It's just, it's so like shocking to see some people who are making so much more money than me, uh, not even so much more money than me, like so much more money than like makes sense, and they just are burning it all on stupid shit, like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like especially celebrities. Yeah. You know, like celebrities where it's like, <laughs> you've made ten million dollars this year. How are you broke next year? That's like yeah. not conceivable yeah. to me. But there are people that make probably like triple what I make, and they're struggling because of sort of 
uh, behaviors like what you're describing. One of the things that yeah. I think was super cool that you were talking about was don't buy new. And we've talked about this yeah. in another episode. I don't know what the episode number was. We talked about how to buy gear because I am a fucking, I'm a legend for buying gear. And I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there. Okay, get in, get into it, man. Tell I just, us. like the, the whole point of the episode the before people. was we were just talking about like, you know, it, it was pretty much don't buy new. Like there's, unless, mm-hmm. say for instance, I could see buying new, once again, you get the biggest gig in the world or you get a big gig and it's like, oh, you know, I got to get a Kemper. And sure, Kempers are a digital thing. Um, and, you know, if you can afford it, buy a new one just because you don't want it to break down. Because if something like that breaks down on the road, you're kind of fucked. Or buy two used ones or something. You don't have a backup or something. But um, in general, for guitars, if you buy used, you can flip it when you don't want it anymore, when you want to upgrade. It's like a car, mm-hmm. but it doesn't devalue. You know what I mean? So say, for instance, if I... Uh, all of my guitars I've, I've bought used. All of my pedals I buy used. I just flip them when I don't want them. I hear people say, like when I talk about this, uh, and I think that I'm so smart and I'm probably dumb, but, but you know, like, <laughs> they'll be like, yeah, but I just like to have a new thing. And to me, that's like saying, yeah, I just like to waste money. Like, yeah, you know, I just uh, that's like another, that's another luxury, right? Yeah. That's just, you want to have a new thing because it feels nice. Yeah. You know? Uh, so it's a luxury. So if, if you want to if you want to incinerate that money to get that feeling, then you, you go know, ahead. If you, can afford, if you can afford to do that, go ahead. But, but otherwise, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't recommend. I mean, even like on a, if you buy a, a guitar new, um, I don't know what's a telly going for right now, like maybe twelve ninety nine or something like maybe for like an American telly. telly. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're, if you turn around and sell that a month later, you're not getting sticker price for that, right? Oh, God. You, you know, you're probably going to get maybe 1000 back or something. No, so you're no not, lose, even, not even. Not even? So, I, okay. I can't remember so, what was the statistic. Uh, not statistic. What was the percentage, Long Quaid? They said, I thought it was like they will give you 75% of what they will sell it for. Yeah. You know what and I mean? And that's so, trade. I mean, that's trade-in. But yes. Yeah. 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 So, like, if I... I, I I bet you any money they'd sell that thing for like eight hundred bucks. You know what I mean? And yeah, I yeah. I don't I don't know. Know. Let's 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 see. Let's, let's see do on, a little. on good old Reverb dot com. Sponsored by Reverb. Please give me money. Um, Telecaster. Okay, so I'm looking at I'm looking at Long McQuaid Fender Telecaster. Okay. Um, what is this? Uh, okay, let's do. Player Plus, Kelly. That looks like that and looks like the one that's marketed to like people who play and want to okay, save so, some money. Okay, and th- so that's twelve seventy nine ninety nine. I was pretty darn close, wasn't I? On Reverb is twelve ninety nine. Okay, for the so, same thing. Same thing as yeah, a re- yeah. is that a resale? Uh, nope that's 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 uh that's new. So okay, used. so resale though. <clears throat> yeah. Now the big thing is looking at. Don't look at what they're selling for now. Like go to the sold listings, what they have sold for. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, that's a nice looking guitar. Uh, okay, uh, you know what? This Actually, is Canadian dollars you, for you folks might be, interested. Uh, you might be right here. I mean, it's, it's kind of because it's this year. It's not yeah. sold for much less. It's only sold for two hundred dollars less. Yeah. So um, that you know, 
So which you is are crazy. paying a, a little bit of a tax, quote unquote, to buy something like that new. Yeah. So how much, how significant that is to you, how much that matters to you versus like maybe there's a warranty that's offered, maybe there's, which warranty is usually bullshit anyways, but like, there's reasons why you would want to do that, but but generally speaking, I'm trying not to buy things new because, um, you know, for twelve hundred dollars, dude, like I got, um, I've got, you know, I've gotten some of my older guitars for like about that price, and um, and they're quote unquote vintage. Like I don't know if they're, you know, whatever, but it's like, um, uh, you can you can. There's a lot of value to be had by just sort of taking a look for some some used stuff make sure you go and try it out like i said before and like make sure it feels good to you yeah um you know fender's a big name i'm a pretty big fan of fender because the quality control is generally very good but like maybe that just doesn't feel good to your hands maybe you're not a fender player man like uh dave chan was on here a few episodes back saying prs is, is like one of the best companies in terms of just the quality of and craftsmanship on those guitars like maybe you want to Pick up one of those, and yeah. and you know your guitar will look cool and different compared to everybody yeah. else's guitar, right? So, and to an audience member at a, at a show, like you know, like you know, what was the guitar that Prince played that was just like huge? You, you know, know the guitar I'm talking one? about? Yeah, I like with the like had like looked like Doctor Octopus or something. Had, like, yeah, his out white of it. one. I have no idea what. I mean, that thing was. is cool as hell, right? Like, if you're if you're rocking that at a gig, like you know, people in the crowd are gonna be fired up rather sure. than everybody else playing the same. Well, Sunburst so I have a interesting story. Do you remember my sir? <clears throat> yeah, I played that sir for like five years in clubs, and like yeah. this is such a shallow thing, but like the attention that I got when I got my Gretsch was just yeah. exponentially different. <laughs> Like, yeah. this has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but, like, my sir was, like, a metalhead trying to be a jazz fusion dweeb kind of guitar, and then my Gretsch is, my green Gretsch was a work of art. Um, so that that's cool. Yeah, you have some cool-ass-looking guitars. Yeah, for <sighs> sure. I, I, I want to make them sound good. I don't give a shit what they look like. But I do, yeah. because I sold my sir. The sir was pretty good, I don't know. But um, uh, it was a good, it always that, sounded good to me. But with yeah. that used price thing, though, like another thing to consider too is the age of them. You know what I mean? Like I kind of broke my heart when I saw that it was only a two hundred dollar discount. Generally, I'm yeah. looking at like, you know, I, I'm expecting when I buy something used to buy it for like sixty percent of what the new value is, you know, or else I don't buy. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, but maybe you, you know, maybe you get that guitar, but like the 2017 model or something that's what i mean and yeah, it's, it's like, a little bit less i mean still 200 dollars off of 1200 is is like a 10 percent yeah if you want right? to buy that like year's thing fairly yeah. significant i mean we're not talking about cars here where they lose like 40 percent of their value in the first like two years or whatever but yep. like um i don't buy new cars either still, and I probably never will it, no god no god you know? no um but you know there is something there and like and 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 all all i'm trying to point out as well is like for that budget that you're thinking, I want to buy this new Fender. It's like maybe you can get something from like the 70s or 80s or something that's like, like got a little bit of w- road rash on it, and like it's like cool. This this thing is you know this thing looks cool. It sounds cool. Yeah. It's got a unique sort of vibe to it. It feels really good to play. It's like you know that the I just think that that's that's really fun as yeah. well. The problem and, is um, though because of the vintage <clears throat> thing, 
even if it's not a good year, they're going to jack the price up for that shit. Like I, my strats from 2003 and I bought it for $300, you know, like, and it's because yeah. it was used and cause it's old and it's not a good year. It's not a bad year. Right. You know, it's just, a well, year. I think you just have to find the quote unquote bad years. Like I, I picked up a couple seventies Gibsons probably sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe close to a decade ago. A great deal. And well, they're not, um, I mean, there's some circumstances that were pretty unique to that particular yes. situation, yes. but like, um, which I won't get into here, but also like the seventies, I was looking it up even as I was sort of considering making the purchase and there was some rumblings on different forums. Like, yeah, the seventies aren't really looked at as like high quality Gibson years, but if the guitars, again, people just talking sense, if the yeah. guitars feel good and they sound good, then you should grab them and they're going to be good for you and it's like yeah that makes perfect sense and then now it's like you know if you start looking at prices of 70s gibsons like they're starting to creep up right 100 because because now all of a sudden people you know nobody can afford the 50s and 60s so now yes. it's like okay well maybe it's like real estate you know nobody can no. live in toronto so now oshawa is getting expensive you know it's That's like, exactly. <laughs> we're all gonna be living in fucking like uh kingston <laughs> yeah we're gonna buy houses so, in kingston for like a million dollars 10 uh, years so it's all kind of the same circular discussion here, but like if you can find a 2001 Strat that feels feels and plays great for you, and it's a good price, it's like eventually that's going to be lauded as oh, but there were some Strats in the early aughts that were yeah. super good, and like they're going to be worth a lot of money. It's like it's all just kind of hype and bullshit at the end of the day, too, right? Also, so too, like from, changes the pickups. That's what I did. Yeah, I made my yeah. my Strat into a 60 Strat. Just by changing electronics, changing pickups. I don't know if it sounds exactly like it, but it sounds way better than when I bought it. There you go. Yeah, yeah right. So making some upgrades, if you're savvy on oh, that, yeah. uh, can can do a lot. I'm I know. Savvy, I remember I like Chown. I just bought it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Got and I, I remember it. like Nathan uh, Nathan Whitney, who was on the show a while back. He was super into buying the was it like a Squire. Uh, te- it was a Squire Telly he had. Yeah. Um, and Squire is kind of like the entry level quote unquote brand of Fender. Yeah. Um, and I'm, cr- I'm trying to remember if there's a specific series that Squire did where it was like a little bit more high quality. And, uh, I can't remember now, but anyways, he bought a Squire telly for like $400 or whatever, changed the pickups, the neck. Are you talking about classic you know, guitar- Yes, the classified. Oh, the that classified. was it. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, it just so happened that the factory spat out a squire that was played really well and stayed in tune and felt really good and like yeah. whatever. So he found the guitar again, seeing the same thing over and over again that felt good and played right and sounded good to him. And then it's like, yeah, turn change out the electronics. That's you know fairly easy to do. You could you get somebody to do it for you or figure it yeah. out or whatever. It and it's like now you've got. Either. Now you've got a dope-ass guitar that's going to sound really great for you and perform well, and it's durable and reliable, and you're not like, you know, if it gets if it gets broken on an airplane, it's like, that sucks, but it's not like, you know, you just take the pickups out of it and find yep. another one, you know what I mean? It's pretty hard so, to fuck yeah. up an electric guitar, too. Like Especially Fenders, they're quite durable. Yeah, well, yeah. so like if, Gib- if I Gibson's were to buy a car sight unseen... Yeah. Like, once again, I don't know a lot about cars, but, you know, I spent a lot of time, like, looking up, like, what to look out for. Like, you know, the, the tailpipe shouldn't be shooting out, like, a, that kind of whitey blue smoke and stuff like that. Oh, really? You okay. know, like, it, it, it can shoot out, like, like, um, anyways, what, cars, whatever. What if it's, I like, buy bl- a what if it's, like, unseen. what if it's black? What if it's shooting out black smoke? I don't that know. Bad? Uh, I'm not a mechanic <laughs> and I'm not a doctor. Um, but, 
if I, I, I buy guitar sight unseen all the time. Just because, you do, eh? Well, because if it's used, if I don't like it, I can just flip it, you know? Right. Um, you could, th- In theory, you could just sell it for what you paid for it. It's not going to be broken. You probably didn't pay tax on it if it's like a private sale yeah. and, and whatever else. Yeah, so I mean, theoretically, you're, yeah, you're, I, I would want to try it first, personally. Yeah. But yeah, because yeah, well, I'm can not see married that. to it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, uh, right, right. And like also, too, like, because a lot of my students, too, they're like, I don't want to buy used. What if I buy a broken one? And it's like, it's pretty hard to break a guitar, you know? Like, yeah. You'd well, really just have try to it. Your... Just try it out, you yeah. know, yeah. if you're really that concerned. I bought a bass for, I think it was $400 cash. And like, I, you know, I spent a little bit of time on Kijiji. It's a Squire, um, it's a Squire Fender bass, but like because of the specific year and where it was made, it, it has an American Fender bass neck on it. Um, That's most important which part. Which is yeah, for so sure. cool, right? And like I, uh, I I verified this because the, the truss rod uh, is uh, only takes a certain wrench if it's American and takes a different wrench if it's a Mexican Squire. There you go. And so anyways, uh, so when I took it into Long McQuaid, they couldn't find the right wrench for it. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's an American neck. And they're like, well, no, it's a Squire. I was like, yeah, but like. Yeah, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the big thing is, if you want to get out in the weeds of this stuff of like yeah. vintage gear, you could have fun with it, kind of like we're having, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to buy this this Yamaha that's not that expensive and buy it used, and you know, maybe I really like it, and I'm getting such a good deal because it's practically a Martin, but it doesn't have the Martin name. Like that's cool. Yeah, too. or like this thing says Squire on it, but the neck, I know the neck is American, yeah. and therefore like the it's a higher you know for that year it's like it's regarded as a higher quality uh component right so it's like you're getting a you're kind of getting a deal on you know a near a a base that's nearly an american fender base except those are like fifteen hundred dollars so there's one last uh, thing that i want to ask you yeah that was a weird noise okay keep that in don't edit that out cool no i won't Um, i'm but I was. I hope that's not your question. Uh, no, my question is: What vintage thing would you want? I, and I'm talking about gear. What would be a vintage thing that you think would be cool to have? Because I mean, it, it is cool to have. Cool to have and cool to use. Can you think of something? A black lotus. Oh wait, that's a magic card. Um, yeah, hold on. I mean that that works too. <laughs> Use that uh, to get gigs. What 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 type of gear? Would yeah. I what want? would be fun for like the agenda to have? And it's like ah, oh, you know, or even you as a, like a, an acoustic guitarist or like a, a singer. Like what microphone would be like? Wow, that'd be fun. Mm. Um, I'm. You know what I would like to have is a stereo compressor for my um recording chain at home so like right now i've got uh i've got these neve clones that's a word i was probably trying to find earlier in the episode but made by vintech so they these this is a company that sort of little shop in uh, florida i think that tries to uh tries to effectively recreates vintage uh neve strips and so i've got two uh 1073s that uh that that they made uh down there and um I think it would be sweet. Again, I'm talking, you, I, I'm kind of going back to my utilitarian uh, values here, but like, you know, a stereo compressor where yeah. I could uh, have a little bit of compression going on the way in would be would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, in terms of Do you like, have one in particular where you're like, this would be, neat. I guess any, like 1176 LA2A. 
Yeah, I guess in 1176, uh, you know what? I, I haven't even thought about it that hard because yeah. I know I don't want to spend that money. <laughs> yeah, this is true. It's true. Like yeah. I, The problem is I asked you the question and like for me, I I think it'd be cool to have a vintage acoustic guitar because of that whole mm. – like once again, I'll never do it. But, but I mean a vintage analog synth would be fun. That's mostly what it would be. It's like oh, right. it would be fun to have this and toy around with it. Um, you know, but, uh, I can't really think of anything. Yeah. I it's want hard for me guitar. to, it's hard for me to really think of something that like, cause everything I'm thinking about is like, how would this help me make music? Yeah. Uh, and like, I don't feel like any of it really would, uh, in, in a yeah. way that's not, not happening already. Um, and it just, it, yeah, I guess I just don't have like a big sort of want to own expensive things that like i did then i just gotta worry about it sure, <laughs> just add sure. stress to my life like well i don't want it to get too humid in here now because it might damage the old vintage console or yes. whatever you know what i mean it's like it, then, then you just worried about stuff um so i i don't know my, my brain's not really there i mean maybe like if if i didn't have to worry about upkeep like having a dope grand piano would sure. be sure. would be amazing but uh um, you know, also having a space to record a grand piano, having a space and a proper room for yeah. it, and, and can I get a vintage studio? Would that <laughs> yeah, be okay? can I just get, can I just get a whole vintage studio? Then I gotta yeah. worry about that. Keep on that. I just don't. I don't want to worry about these things. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And at a working NES console that'd be pretty dope. I would enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, you gotta not, have the working fucking cartridges though, too, man. Yeah, and the carts. Yeah, this is not a this. These are not music related, but uh, if I think I mean, of something, you know, I'll, Set that up in the, in you know, like a, a room outside the studio. Yeah, a little bit of fucking uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, dude. TMNT two or you know, uh, just some like Blades of Steel. Get that going on uh, Blade, Blades of Steel. What was that? That was a, that was a hockey. It's like oh, a hockey game, okay, a two D hockey game on uh, on NES. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, my brain is just so wired to not to to be averse to expensive things that don't provide value to me yeah um that uh, that i don't know um what i would say oh man the other one that i forgot to bring up was ns10s uh and we were talking oh. about a little bit a little bit a while back about uh, how it was like the, the certain types of gear became popular and are now sought after because you said uh, everybody was using them at the time yes and i think that's true of ns10s which are you know, I think any like mixing engineer openly admits that they don't sound good, uh, and f- for whatever reason, everybody was using them uh, for a time, and they just became the go-to mixing speaker. And all these hit records were being made, and, and people were mixing them on NS10s. And then everybody's like, "Well, if, if if everybody's mixing on NS10s, then I need to be mixing on NS10s." Yep. And, and now it's like. You know, to buy a even still now to buy a vintage pair of NSTs isn't that much money because they're not like uh, that great, but they're still probably way more expensive than they ought to be, uh, given you know how good they actually, how accurate and good they actually sound. So it's like, but but David Chown, I'm pretty sure at the Hawk Shop, 
like years mm. and years ago bought a pair for ten dollars because they didn't know what they had yeah i think i've heard yeah. that story yeah. too i think you're right that's pretty sweet. but it, it's just, it's just you know the lengths that people will go to to use gear that isn't even like objectively that good sure. because it's got that history and because you know so and so mixed this record on these therefore they must be the best you know yeah and it's like no that person has great ears and creativity and is really good at what they do the gear doesn't matter man no. they could mix yeah. that record on ipod headphones and it would sound better than yours you know like, yes it's like, yes it's so it, it, I, I for me it always comes back to to the just the talent and skill and craftsmanship of of the, the people and the and the and the quality of the music too. Like, there's records that I loved and still love uh, from when I was younger. And it's just like, do these? I mean, objective's a, a harsh word, but like, do these objectively sound good? Like, there's no yeah. bass on this record, pretty much, because of how it was recorded or mixed. I still love it because the songs are dope, sure, and the performances are really good. And like, you know what I mean? So it's it, it to me, it always comes back. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to touch on that we we didn't uh, discuss is renting gear. And I think this is like a really, really good way to kind of have your cake and eat it too. Uh, if you're uh, getting a good price, and like I, I'm not like a shill for Long McQuaid or anything, but I do believe that their rental prices are unbelievably low. Anytime I'm like renting gear, I'm like, wow, it's only that much, it's only twenty bucks for like this amp or something. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. it's always kind of mind blowing. Um, so. You know, if you're doing a gig that requires a specific type of thing, um, maybe you just want to rent it for that night. You know, like when I when I did, was doing the David James tour, I had my Helix, and I was like, I want to have a backup Helix because you never know what could happen with software stuff. Yeah. So I just rented a second Helix. I did that for and the I was boat. Like, this is going to cost me, you know, thirty bucks a month, or I don't know how much it was, but it's like, so I'll just count that as a cost of doing the tour and expense or whatever, and like take it out of the money that I'm expecting to make because I need it to ensure that I don't have a train wreck gig and I'll yep. return it when I come back. And it's like a lot of times it's worth it to just do that rather than um, to mess around with like, well, I'm going to try and buy this and then sell it. And like maybe you don't have time to to really get find the best price and then sure. wait around to get the best price on the resale. So like a That's lot of a times, man, you know, renting things for – and like if you need – a guitar that looks a certain way for a video shoot or something, just freaking rent it, like, and yeah. don't worry about it after, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that's like a great way to to keep your um, also keep your stress levels down. Where uh, where we were talking about that guy got that really good gig, <clears throat> and um, they needed him to have certain things. I mean, for this gig, it was big enough that it's like. Screw it. I'm going to buy it. But if it's like... Well, a, if you're doing like 200 dates or whatever, right? Yeah. Like just... Yeah, like, probably just buy the thing. But if it's a gig where it's like, you know what? I don't know if I have this. You know? Like I'm mm. showing up. They want me to have a Les Paul. I don't have a Les Paul. Nobody wants to loan me a Les Paul. So you could rent one for a month. Obviously, you've got to get used to that thing before it um, instead of buying one. And then they're like, oh, we went a different direction. And it's like, great. I just lost... You know, on the resale of a Les Paul, maybe you only lose like 600 bucks. That's probably what you made playing those gigs. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so why wouldn't you just rent one? Totally. Yeah. yeah. When I when I auditioned for Come From Away, they wanted me to have an uh, octave mandolin, and it's like, yeah, that thing's like two or three grand. No big those deal, instruments, man. you know. So I just rented one. 
Didn't didn't get the gig. What's a Returned octave it. mandolin? You know, cried a little. What's an octave mandolin? It's yeah. twice the size of a regular mandolin. Is that and a, it's an octave lower? Is, is it a mandola? I Maybe. no, because it's still. Du- I I'm not sure what a mandola is because this is still double stringed, and okay. I'm not sure that a mandola is. Uh, so this no is idea. this is exactly like a mandolin. The fretting, everything's exactly the same. It's just twice as big, so it's an octave lower. Beautiful cool. instrument, and it sounds really cool. It's very similar to an Irish bouzouki, oh, which okay. is the same size, and it's strung slightly differently, and I can't remember exactly what it is. I think um, I, I'm going to get this wrong for sure, but it has something to do with like the octave mandolin each pair of strings is an octave apart as well. So you get that sort of 12 string effect and the bouzouki, I think a couple of them are maybe like unison instead of an octave apart. It's like, it's very, it's a very, um, you know, kind of a particular distinction between the two. Uh, they're very similar instruments. Yeah. Very cool instrument. You're cool. Which I'm not good at playing. Um, should we maybe wrap it up there? Do you have anything else you want to hit before we, uh, say goodbye to the good people? I don't think so, man. I don't think if you so. have any questions, folks out there, d- d- hit us up. Uh, we do have a uh, a comment uh, section on our website, musicguypodcast.com, where you can find all the old episodes and all the current episodes. And, of course, we've got our Facebook page and our Instagram, which you'll find this episode linked on. And you can, of course, go ahead and leave comments there as well if you have any questions. Or uh, shoot us an email, musicguypodcast at gmail dot com you can reach out to me directly on social media at al row music on instagram twitter facebook youtube etc and you can find our dear friend mike hebs at bruno the meek on instagram uh until next time we will uh leave you with the great sounds of uh mike's singing voice take it away mike uh...